Marcus Haggins strikes. It is the first domino off the board for wide receiver recruits in the class of 2024. Tizier Denmark commits to Penn State, the first of potentially three, maybe four wide receivers in this class. And all I got to say is, how's it feel, Oregon? You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. I am your host of the show, and I am joined by the man himself, former ESPN Radio, a state college broadcaster, did the Penn State tailgate show, was my partner in crime for Blue and White Breakdown. That is Matt Bortner, now with Lightner Communications in Altoona. Matt it was great to see you again. And this, you know, it, it just, it feels natural, right? Anytime we get to do a show together yep. like this. Yep. Just uh, picking up where we left off. So uh, always happy to talk uh, Penn State with you, Zach. Yeah. And a lot of good news for Penn State to talk about. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college, and they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. That is birddogs.com slash locked on college. And this show is the official go to podcast for happyvalleyinsider.com. Penn State rivals, go check them out if you haven't already and keep doing so if you are. Happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest, especially with Penn State recruiting, which is what Matt and I are going to talk about in this episode. Matt, before we move further, where can people keep up with what you do? Uh, yeah, the, the best place is uh, going to be Twitter. That is M underscore Bortner on Twitter. Uh, uh, just have you know, any updates I get throughout the beat or just some of my commentary. So that's the best place to, uh, to check any of my stuff. And you got happy Valley insider, my personal account at Zach underscore Seiko and the locked on Nittany Twitter. You can follow those all as well. Okay. Tizier Denmark officially flips to Penn state. Ooh, doesn't that, how the, how the turntables Oregon, yeah. With you, you get Michael Van Buren now. Uh, Tizier Denmark is uh, Penn State Nittany line, so I, I, I like this trade. Uh, we're going to talk about that one plus the yeah. overall outlook of the 2024 class. Uh, and then Seth Lundy and Jalen Pickett are going to be making history. That's going to be in the final segment. Matt, your instant reaction to Penn State getting a four star wide receiver, its first wide receiver commit in the class of 2024. Well, I, I think that's the biggest part is what you just said is their first wide receiver commit for a good class that they have upcoming for uh, yep. 2024 right now, which, uh, you know, they, they've checked a lot of the boxes that you want to see the offensive line. They got their quarterback. Uh, they got a running back. Uh, they, they got a little bit of everything except wide receiver until now. So Denmark not only checks that box, but he is a quality wide receiver, a four-star that you just mentioned. And now Penn State has the top three recruits out of Pennsylvania. Uh, from most places, we'll say that uh, one through three in Pennsylvania. So they get to keep their guy uh, in state and, you know, flipping him from, from Oregon, who is, you know, they are – most uh, most always a school that is really good on the recruiting trail. Yeah, or Oregon's been a side, I would say a thorn in the side of some East Coast schools. Yep. They've been able to cherry pick select top talent from Pennsylvania and Maryland, right? Michael yep. Van Buren, we saw him 
be almost a lock to go to Penn State. And then all of a sudden, Oregon makes its pitch. We know that NIL is extremely involved here. So Tizier Denmark's recruitment is interesting. And I'm going to channel a little bit of what Adam Friedman said in in the past podcast. Go check that out if you want to get the get a more uh, a more in-depth look at the recruiting angle about it. But Denmark was down to Oregon and Ohio State. Penn State wasn't even really factored in. And what's the difference now, Matt, between the the past Penn state and this current Penn state team, this coaching staff, no Taylor Stubblefield yep. and you have Marcus Haggins in place. So he said family culture was a big deal to him. I imagine yep. location. What was it at the end of the day? And I know Penn state got involved with some NIL money. Don't get me wrong. That's just the name of the game in college athletics mm-hmm. right now. But I, I feel like being when you go to Roman Catholic in Philadelphia, you and your family are going to want to be, two and a half hours, three hours, rather than uh, a whole plane ride over to the west side of the country. Yeah, if those are your top priorities, um, having, I think, Haggins come on board, and uh, not saying that Stubblefield, you know, didn't uh, have those values of culture and everything like that. Everything I knew from uh, Mm -hmm. him being at Penn State, he was a good guy, and he was uh, nice to work with in the media. But I I know Haggins uh, has – really talked about how big relationships are for him. Yep. That's the reason why he came to Penn state. And, uh, and again, not taken away from Virginia, but it was the reason why he came to Penn state and came from Virginia where he had spent his whole coaching career at. So I think that speaks volumes of what he fits in with at Penn state, what he prioritize, uh, what his priorities lie within and I think that was probably, you know, one of the factors with Denmark. Denmark talked about, uh, you know, the personal connections. So uh, that seemed to be, you know, with location as well. Mm-hmm. I think that has to be uh, one of the main factors of why Denmark uh, sort of backs away from Oregon and, and comes to Penn State. Yeah, and if you look at Penn State's class of 2024, out of the six top prospects, this is according to Happy Valley Insiders, rivals, right? Uh, Penn State's five out of the six of them are from Pennsylvania. So the best in Pennsylvania, yep. stay in Pennsylvania. Finish it. Say it with me, folks. Uh, Quentin Martin, according to Happy Valley Insider, rivals, is the top prospect in this class. And then Tizier, Denmark, and then Cooper Cousins. Depending where you look, they might flip-flop. Cousins might be two. Uh, Quentin Martin is the consensus one. But Denmark and Cousins seem to flip back and forth between number two and number three overall in this class. And uh, and you got to think, too, that was one of the biggest criticisms of, you know, James Franklin's uh, and his staff in the past years. And now yeah. we've seen it flip is that, you know, he said dominate the state uh, in terms yeah. of recruiting. And that wasn't always the case. Uh, we're starting to see uh, that tide sort of shift over to Penn State's favor. Denmark, four-star, he's rated a 5.9, according to Rivals. Matt, who do you think of when you see Tizier Denmark? And I know anything can happen with these prospects, right? Caden Saunders was a highly touted prospect a year ago. He's still coming into his own. But when you look at some of the tape of Denmark, when you see the highlights, who, for a former Penn State player, who comes to mind? Uh, I don't know if I think one guy specifically, but I think what is interesting here is – if you look at Penn State's track record in recent years of guys that aren't 
exactly huge in stature. They've had a lot of success with some of these speedsters, like a Denmark, who's only 5'11". You think of K.J. Hamler. Uh, mm-hmm. You think of Jadhan Dotson, who wasn't yep. huge. Parker Washington wasn't wasn't enormous by any means either. So right. I, I think he just he fits a mold that has been successful at Penn State. Yeah, and that's what Marcus Haggins is too. Kind of that all-around, he's not your big body tar- type. That's what Nick Marsh is supposed to be, that Juwan Johnson. Uh, I'll yeah. even throw it back to Irvin Charles, right? Johnson and Charles were in that same time frame. Yeah, but Chris I, Godwin's the one that comes out to mind of, of your yeah. prototypical guy. Yeah, but they Chris Godwin six two six three yeah. right, and you mentioned that Den- Denmark might maybe become six foot six foot yeah. one when all said and done. He's still sixteen. He's still seventeen, eighteen years old, right? <laughs> uh, but Denmark, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Jahan Dotson because it's that number one route running. Basically, he's unguardable. Sure, you can match up with him in size, but he's going to beat you with his smarts. He's going to beat you with his route running, being able to cut on a dime. And I like that they have these two things in common. Both of them were committed to a Pac-12 school. James Franklin has the conversation, and then they flip back over to the Nittany Lions. So for those who don't remember, Jahan Dotson was committed to UCLA at one point and then did flip to uh, Happy Valley. And look at the career he had and a nice start to his NFL career as well so i and I where like, where's the number five too and he he yeah. said uh, you know some of that is he really likes Jahan dotson's game so it's the right uh, game that wouldn't be bad there. if he he came came out with that type of production so the outlook for the 2024 class is looking better every single day even though florida has been really annoying lately i, I will say that we're going to talk about the outlook next get into the nba draft in the final segment but before we get to that let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode and that is bird dogs are you looking for great shorts and pants well this episode sponsored by Bird Dogs. You're going to learn just about that. Bird Dogs pants and shorts are great for three reasons. First, the fit. You will look better and feel great wearing Bird Dogs. Second, the comfort. Their stretchy, stretchy fabric will make your legs look great, and they're comfier than all your other shorts and pants. And then finally, versatility. They give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts, one pair of pants to the golf course, to a meeting, on a date, hanging out with friends, you name it. I've never had a pair of bird dogs myself. So I said, I'm going to go out and order a pair since they're sponsoring this great show. I got a pair and I'll tell you what, they live up to the billing. I got a pair of shorts for that matter as well, because it is summer, but I can attest to how great they are. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college. Easy enough for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That is birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You want to take, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We can promise you that. And thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch. You got to check this one out. Don't miss Locked On NBA Draft live Thursday night. That's going to be tonight. Pick-by-pick analysis from our stable of Locked On NBA hosts. National reaction from our NBA big board hosts. And live check-ins from inside the NBA Draft. Locked On NBA Draft live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, Thursday night on the Locked On NBA YouTube page. Go check it out. And our final segment is going to be devoted to a portion of the NBA draft because two guys are going to be making history, two former Nittany Lions. And why don't we throw in uh, what's going on with that basketball tournament with uh, John Hare at the end as well, Matt. But back to Penn State recruiting. 
the the football team looks good. If you go to rivals right now, Penn State is number seven in the country, depending on where you look, the rankings differentiate, but I, I'm going to trust rivals here and rivals actually has them the highest uh, at number yeah. seven, 10, four star commits, eight, three stars. And that's going to change, right? If you look through that class and it's like, well, eight, three stars, who are the, who are the three stars? Uh, some of which are John Mitchell, who deserves to be ranked higher. I would say uh, Ethan Grunkmeyer is he, still someone that is going to be going up. You yeah. know, he's, he's gotten early raves. Yeah, uh, he was top right. He finished top 10 at the Elite 11. So you mean to tell me that a top 10 quarterback in the nation uh, isn't a three-star? They're going to update that, right? But the, just looking at that, so don't say, well, Penn State, they they have too many three-stars. They're not getting those four-star, five-stars that Ohio State and Michigan are getting. Uh, they are still, they get in the, at the ground level. I, I The everydayers on the show know this and how many times I've said this, you and I have said this, Jason and I have said this, that they get in yep. at the ground level and they ride the elevator all the way to the top. Let's take Luke Reynolds, for example. Luke Reynolds can end up being a top five tight end when all said and done. And he was an afterthought as a three-star because he started out as a quarterback and then he moved to tight end. So that's what Penn State does. Same thing with Ethan Grunkmeyer. Playing at a school that's not exactly a powerhouse, but Ethan Grunkmeyer has made them better and you look at the production he's had despite playing bigger schools despite playing better competition and you see what he does now on the national stage so i the outlook of this class definitely top 10 okay i can say that yeah do they push into the top five it is going to be difficult because schools like alabama I will throw in Miami of Florida, even though they've had the situation with Life Wallet, John Ruiz, allegedly, right? I, I don't yeah. want to say, you know, I don't want them to see this podcast and then they're like legal action, right? Uh, but they've had situations now with the NIL funding, allegedly. And those schools right now have limited commits because in Texas, right? I think of yeah. Texas, Alabama, Miami of Florida. LSU, those schools are going to push Penn State. Yeah, well, Georgia's already number one, right? But yeah. those other schools that have, like, let's take, okay, let's take Alabama, for example. And I want to pull this up because I want to get this right. Matt, just give me give me your best guess because I don't know if you have this pulled up in front of you. Where do you think Alabama stands on this day in the in late June in the recruiting rankings? Just your best guess. I'm, I'm actually going to guess maybe around, like, 15. They seem to be a school that – you know, some of those top dogs at the end that they end up yep. getting and then rise to the top. 26. Okay. Yeah. 26. But that's That'll my, change. that's my point, right? <laughs> yeah. Alabama's not going to stay at 26. Yeah. They're going to eventually vault their way up to uh, the top five. They will be in the top five when all said and done. So Penn state who's hovering around the top five, you yeah. got to imagine that schools like Alabama will bump them down a couple of spots, but I could see, do you think they will finish at seven? Because I think that's at seven or eight. I think that's a safe place for them in the class of 2024. Yeah, I, I think so. The only way they go higher is if uh, they really um, compete for that Big Ten title this year. If they get some late flips, then I think that would be the way that they push into the top five. But I think, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere from top seven to top 15 is probably, you know, the zone they land in. But yeah. that's. <laughs> By no means is that a bad thing. You would be no. saying, I think, three years in a row now would be a top 15 class three years in a row. And that's right. what Penn State's been looking for. You know, they've had those couple years where they've had really great classes. Then they've had, you know, just the top 25. 
but right now they're riding on that consistent level of recruiting. Yeah, they need more of what's been identical to that class of 2022, right? Drew yeah. Aller, Denai Dennis Sutton, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. I could go on and on and on, but that's that class. Going back to the Micah Parsons class, right? It, it's those ones that have that identity of being either at or near the top five, yeah. which these have been like they've been solidified in the top 10. So what, what's missing from this class, Matt? I, I think Penn State, if the everyday the everydayers know this from other episodes, that Penn State is very close to landing. We have the first one off the board, right, with Denmark. Yeah. But then there's Nick Marsh, who's projected to Penn State. Then there is Josiah Brown, Peter Gonzalez. Penn State is hosting other wide receiver commits as well. They could ultimately get, I, I teased that it was three wide receivers. They could get four, possibly even five. Yeah. I, so and, what's and missing I, for you? I think that it, that's exactly the position. You know, they get, mm -hmm. they get a good start to, uh, yesterday and then the they they got to get i i think at least three just how the wide receiver room is right now you know they they could end up a lot of those guys this year you know stepping up and it's not uh as big of a worry as as it is uh right mm -hmm. now when we look at the end of the year but right now i think you can't have enough wide receivers in that room because yeah. uh, competition wise you need to find more uh, more depth there and more proven guys. Uh, so I think that's really the po position you're looking for. Um, I'm really pleased with how the offensive line recruiting look yeah. is looking. Yeah. And that's something I look at every year because now that Penn state in is, is, is in a position where, you know, they're too deep at, at every position on the offensive line, that's something you have to maintain because mm -hmm. if you fall off of that level, um, it just takes a couple of injuries to really put you uh, in a pickle. And I, and I think that's, you know, last year that was uh, Penn State's saving grace that they were able to plug and play at that position and keep, you know, a, an admirable, admirable uh, performance at that, at that position. Yeah, I would say that if I'm going to give folks a full list of who they need, obviously wide receiver, right? You want at least three more of those guys that Penn State is targeting. You want them in this class of 2024. I will say a second tight end. I don't know who that's necessarily yeah. going to be. I like, the, I love the idea of Caleb Oden committing to Penn State. And then you compliment, you have Luke Reynolds and Caleb Oden basically being that next version of Tyler Warren and yeah. Theo Johnson in some sort of sense, right? That athletic over-the-top tight end, and then you're more of your blocking, short-distance, quick-pass safety blanket type of guy. Uh, but Especially because of how many tight ends Penn State uses, too. In this offense, right, yeah. right. And Penn State has done – there has been no drop-off since Ty Hall has taken over as the tight ends yeah. coach. So it, Penn State is still becoming a – that's a premium position – for Penn State uh, in terms of development. Again, Mike Isicki, Pat Fryermuth, Brenton Strange. I, the list the list continues. Uh, defensive line is an obvious defensive tackle, defensive end, defensive playmaker, right? I, yeah. I was I was upset when Jamonte Waller committed to Florida. I really thought that Penn State had that pitch where they said, hey, you're basically going to be the next Abdul Carter. Who is that going to be now? I feel like they still need that iconic, that next guy to take over that spot because Carter's only going to be here for two more years. So uh, who's going to be that next guy? Not a true freshman. I think that's very tough to do. You'd like to think that the next number 11 
will be a true freshman and step into that role immediately, but easier said than done. Abdul Carter, Micah Parsons are one of a kind, and, and that's very rare to find. So I thought Jamonte Waller would have really put this class over the top and he goes elsewhere. So they need that defensive playmaker, whether they end up at defensive end or they become that off-ball linebacker that does a little bit of everything. Yeah, and, and I think, you know what's so hard, I think, at th- at this level, I mean, defensive tackle, I think you hit it spot on there. I mean, that's a spot Penn State's yeah. looking for depth yeah. and just, uh, you know, an ultimate playmaker. But, you know, there's <laughs> – there's not a lot of 300-pound guys just walking around there uh, every day that are ready to plug and play at the de- defensive tackle position. A lot of times, you know, it's guys that tra- that um, make the transition from a defensive end to D-tackle or, or another position. So, you know, that's sometimes hard to project um, at, at this stage, but uh, I, I feel like it's – you know, one of these times Penn State's got to be able to land one of those top guys that you know from the beginning is going to be a defensive tackle. Yeah, and I think that's just about it for Penn State's class because they have the two running backs. They had, uh, up until Derek Plaz had decommitted, the Penn State had six offensive line, at least guys who could play offensive line. We don't know what position they'll ultimately finish with, but you yeah. had six options there. Now you have five, right? Yep. Uh, and then that second tight end to go along with it, the wide receivers. Do they need a second quarterback in this class? We'll finish with that. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. You know, it's... It's always nice to pick up two in a class, but I, I think with uh, Smolik waiting in the wings too, which we've heard good things about him, I don't think that's a, a complete necessity. Because also too, I, I think you got to look at it this way too with quarterback is that you also have the option of, of bringing in another guy through the transfer portal always if, if you need to. So I, I don't think two in a class is you know as important as it was before but it's always nice to have two yeah absolutely penn state is really in a really good spot for the class of 2024 yeah and defensive side secondary they you know they got pieces everywhere there too so it's a well-rounded i think for the most part class yeah that's why i didn't mention secondary because they have i think four or five defensive backs now and They're, they're still targeting more players out of the secondary, so we'll see. And athletes in general, Josiah Brown's somebody that projects as a wide receiver but could ultimately play as a defensive back. If you want more on that, check out happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest in Penn State recruiting. More commitments are coming, going to be arriving soon, so check out Happy Valley Insider and, of course, Locked on Nittany Lions for all of that. Matt, in this final segment, Penn State basketball deserves a shout-out because even though – Michael Shrewsbury's not here anymore, but a couple of his former players, uh, Seth Lundy, Jalen Pickett, are getting ready to be drafted. At the time, at the airing of this episode, it will be tonight, Thursday, June 22nd. Seth Lundy, Jalen Pickett going to make history because Penn State has never had two players drafted in an NBA draft. They're both going to go in the second round, but I still respect the way that Lundy, Lundy, both Lundy and Pickett went from guys who were fringe. Uh, maybe 60 yeah. 60th picks and undrafted signees to probably going to be picked in the top 40. 
You know, I the funny thing is, I I guess it's though from watching them game in and game out. But I looked at at Lundy maybe about mid to late season last year, even before the tournaments. And, and you know, he's just got that NBA body to him. Yeah. So I, I remember even mentioning I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that you know sneaks up on the the NBA draft radar. And then he goes and kills it in the tournament. He kills it in the combine, uh, especially in the scrimmage part. He's not as quick as you would want somebody to be at his uh, size, but he's a good enough defender. Um, he's not, uh, you know, when it comes to NBA quickness, he'll never be a leap defender in the NBA, but he's he can score. Uh, he's athletic. So I think... You know, if he sneaks up to earlier in the second round, this is a guy that can probably at some point play on an NBA roster in year one. Uh, Jalen Pickett, I see as more of a late second round guy in Mm -hmm. that final round. And I don't know if I see it in year one. He's probably still has as well-rounded as he is. He's just not, doesn't have that NBA athleticism. So there's probably some, a development that needs to be done there, but he obviously has the skill set to maybe play one day in the NBA as well. Let's talk about what Lundy and Pickett have going for them. Okay, so for Seth Lundy, I'll back that up again. The three-point shooting and the way that the NBA has transitioned as a league. uh, Years ago, right, 10, 15 years ago, Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson would be the first two picks off the board. (laughs) That is not, no. Eady might get taken in the very late second round when he goes out, but there's a reason he didn't go in this NBA draft because scouts told him you're not getting picked and you unfortunately don't have as bright of a future here in this league with the way it's spread out, the faster it runs. Uh, It shows because Purdue, again, knocked out in the first round by a double-digit seed. Besides the point, Lundy, he's quick. He's got the prototypical body, as you mentioned, for that ideal two-guard, that combo guard, and he can shoot the three as he showed in those scrimmage combos. And not only shoot, he can create his own three-pointer as well. He can create his own shot as well. Which is huge. And then for Jalen Pickett, right? He's your uh, he's your uncle at the barbecue. That's yeah. what. Hey, I'm I'm taking that from other people that have said yeah. that about him. He <laughs> he basically plays pickup basketball. Uh, so yeah. it'll be interesting because you can't play with your back to the basket in the NBA. So I'm interested to see what Jalen Pickett does to adapt his game. I know he will. It's just a matter of how and how long that takes. But he's a versatile defender. He can guard just about anybody. People compared him, at least some scouts, when they talked to Steve Jones, who was on a recent podcast, they compared him to Jalen Brunson. I thought that was pretty high praise. We know that Pickett can run the point. He could play the two. He could play the three. He's not going to play the three in the NBA, but he basically he played positionless basketball when he was at Penn State. That goes a long way in the NBA. He can be the point guard. He can be your two for that professional team. And what Lundy and Pickett both have going for them is they are older. They are not 18 years old. They have a lot of college ball, college basketball logged. Polished. Yeah, they're exactly. They're polished. And they're, that is going to be a benefit on the roster. I think the bar is obviously set by Lamar Stevens, who selectively gets minutes for the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Do you see them having the same type of career as Stevens, or do you think one of them or both of them will be better when all said and done? Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not certain that Jalen Pickett will ever see the NBA floor. I, I just think of okay. those limitations that we talk about in just 
the way it transfers to the NBA game isn't uh, as beneficial for him. But I, I think he, no matter what, he'll make a lot of money playing professional basketball, even yeah. if it's not in the NBA. You know, Seth Lundy, I, I, I think he's got a shot to, you know, really be a role player uh, on, on a successful team. I, I don't know that he's a guy that's going to see a ton of minutes every night, but I think he has enough skill that uh, he can produce and, you know, have some games where uh, he can help an, an NBA team win a game or two. And then, so best of luck to them. We know that they're both going to get drafted tonight. Well, it, it's it's a safe bet, right? That both yeah. the Nittany lines are going to get picked, uh, and it'll it'll set a precedent for Penn State, and it will make history for Penn State basketball as well. Hopefully, Mike Rhodes can continue that trend by sending guys, make them good in college, and then send them off to the professional leagues here in the United States. Uh, speaking of not not quite pro, but it is a pro style basketball league, and that is the basketball tournament. Featuring featuring the Happy Valley Hoopers. So Matt, general manager, is John Hara, who uh, of course will go down as one of the greatest Nittany Lion basketball players in history. Just hard to tell of, him. Hard to tell him no too if he asks you to play on your team. Yeah, <laughs> all that he's done. But they've been accumulating former Penn State men's basketball talent over the course. Uh, it, it's just great to see every time I, I blink, there's boom, it's Shep Gardner. Boom, it's uh, Miles Dredd. Somebody is coming back to play on this uh, on this tournament basketball team. And Penn State now knows its fate of who they're going to play. I want to make sure I get this right because they are, they are in fact, going to play the nerd team. And that's Monday, <laughs> July 24th. I know. But uh, this tournament's massive. It is huge. It consists of what looks to be about i think that's what 68 teams might even be or 64 yeah. teams might even be more here but uh, yeah, this is if they win they would play uh i think Bayheim's army which is a, a staple of that tournament and a lot of good uh syracuse alum in, in yeah. that team yeah so penn state uh definitely has its work cut out for them uh their jamari wheeler's coming back for this team so it's good to see him be a good guy again right but uh <laughs> the not happy is ugly scarlet and gray yeah, but the the Happy Valley Hoopers. Uh, do you have high expectations for them? They are a six seed in their side of the bracket. Yeah, I mean, I think they can they can fare pretty well. They've got some, you know, Josh Reeves. I think is a is a player that fits perfectly for that. He can defend. Uh, he can get to the rim. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got some three point shooters. They got scrappy guy like John Hara. Uh, I don't know what. Um, Mike Watkins, what his playing shape is like now. But, I, I, I mean, I think they can win a couple games. But I'm just more interested in, in seeing those guys because uh, a lot of those guys had some uh, fantastic careers for Penn State and, you know, really helped build to where Penn State is now in, uh, in a bright future for the Nittany Lions, it looks. Will you watch that opening round game that they play in? I will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that uh, Penn State basketball is definitely fun again. Uh, I'm so glad it, it, it's fun. And Mike Rhodes gonna, is going to make it even more entertaining as time goes on. Matt, I really appreciate the time. Another edition of Locked on Nittany Lions is in the book. One final time, I do want to shout out Locked on NBA Draft live tonight, Thursday, June 22nd, pick-by-pick -pick analysis from our staple of NBA hosts. National reaction from our NBA big board hosts and live check-ins from inside the NBA draft. Locked on NBA draft live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on the Locked on NBA YouTube page. Matt, before I let you go, where can people keep up with everything you do? 
Yep, as I mentioned before on Twitter, Emma underscore Bortner, and uh, I chime in quite a bit on uh, Penn State news. So check me out there. Matt, thanks for the time, and looking forward to the next time we can have another conversation. Always a pleasure, buddy.